1: Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. I'm so glad that you have joined us today. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show that is now in over 120 countries. And what that indicates to me is that there doesn't matter where we are in the world, who we are, what our financial or educational background is, we all are looking for stories that will give us hope. Because there are many people, especially in this day, who find that so many circumstances that they are facing seem to be hopeless. And that's what's exciting about Never Ever Give Up Hope, is that each one of my guests have been in that place where they felt that there was no place to turn. And they had to find that place, that place where they were renewed, rejuvenated, and they are sharing their stories with us and i so appreciate each and every guest and the listeners i so so appreciate your constant support and your feedback and your comments it just makes this all worthwhile so each one of my guests have a unique story and Today, I have Susan Gowdy with me, who also has a unique story. She is an advocate for people with disabilities. She is a neurophysical reprogramming practitioner. She is a bioenergetic synchronization technique practitioner. And she's a psychological kinesiology practitioner. She is the author of a book entitled the journey from fear to love is shorter than you think that is very intriguing i love that title welcome susan
2: thank you carol thank you for having me
1: oh i'm so glad that we finally got together this is awesome yes. now my first question to you is that i'm quite confident that you will agree with me that when you are abused as a child that it affects your entire life correct absolutely
2: okay. absolutely
1: Now, there are people who use that abuse or can use that abuse, and I'm sure we've all had that experience of someone in our lives who has done that, as an excuse, and they also or some people, can use it as a stepping stone. And this is one of the things I know that you are going to address today, is the difference between the two and what we choose. Now, was there a time in your life when you had to make the decision not to allow your abuse to rule your life, but instead turn it around and make it a stepping stone?
2: Absolutely. Um, The abuse that occurred to me, the trauma that happened, was before I was even three. So uh, it took me a while to figure out, you know, what was causing... Some of the issues that I had in my life, like some of the fears, um, being extremely terrified of um, the dark, uh, terrified of certain people, uh, certain places. I, I mean, I, I grew up and didn't really understand where all that was coming from. So when I was in college is when I, um, I was taking social work classes and psychology classes and I'd taken a class on um, flashbacks. And as I was taking the class, I realized, oh, I have flashbacks. And, um, and I was also in a lot of pain at that time. And I didn't know, you know, why at 19 I was in so much physical pain. Um, you know, I had a hard time just walking straight. I just had a lot of back pain. Um, and I didn't have any real reason that I understood for why that was. Uh, but the flashbacks... That brought up for me also that I, I had a reoccurring nightmare. And I had had this reoccurring nightmare my entire life as far as I could remember, as far back as I could remember. Uh, and it was pretty much every night. And I would wake up white as a sheep, blood-curdling mm. screams. And, and uh, it was the same nightmare over and over again. And I the pain, though, when the pain started to get so bad where it was co- disrupting my life, You know, at 19, Uh I was having a difficult time being able to do things I wanted to do. That's when I realized um, with the flashbacks, the class that I took, that this may be somehow related to what happened to me when I was very young. And that's when I started seeking help. Um, But it wasn't until I was probably 20. I was, I I was in my twenties, uh, at 21 to 27, I started to put more pieces together, uh, that it was actually directly related to what had happened to me as a child. So that was, that was at that point, I think I decided, um, you know, I could let it take me down or I could, uh, become empowered. And I chose to become empowered and, and, you know, take that that stepping stone instead of letting it take me down.
1: Do you think that's a common scenario for people like, to relate back as you did and realize that there's something that they must do?
2: No, I don't think, I think a lot of people, especially at the age I was, I mean, I was not even three. I think a lot of people would not, it would be really difficult for them to make that connection. Um, I was really lucky when I really made a, a Solid connection that all of these different things were really related to what had happened when I was young. I was actually 27. Um, I was starting to put the pieces together, but at 27, I was using uh, seeing a, a practitioner who used a technique called BEST, bioenergetic synchronization technique, and that works with the subconscious part of the brain. So he was getting to stuff that was deep down okay. in the subconscious, okay. and that's where it was exposed. Um, when I, my daughter, my oldest child was two. So something must've triggered in my memory and made me remember, or my memory was going back to that age when I was around that age, I started getting sinus infections one right after another. I never had one in my life before. And I finally went to go see the doc that used this technique one day. And I remember going in and saying, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I was kind of waving my white flag like I surrender, and I want to know what the heck's going on here and When I went in to see him on that day, where the thing that best does at you know counseling and some of those things don't get to the get to the subconscious uh at least not as quickly. Uh, he was able to discover that it had to do with sexual abuse before age five, and i'd never even oh. told him anything about it really and Those are the words and that 's the information that he got from my body from my being and That was the day that the nightmare stopped, and the sinus infection stopped i 've never had another one and that was i mean that was a huge realization of wow, this had a major effect on my entire life, physically and mentally, emotionally, in every way.
1: I can't imagine what that must have felt for you, to have an answer.
2: Oh, it was a huge relief, but I was really angry at the doctor at first, because I thought, how do you know this? I mean, I never (laughs) told you anything. I was really pissed off at him. He had to take me into a private room, and then when he told me this is what came up, I I just looked at him like, how do you, you know, and then I had to... I calmed down and realized, yeah, you're doing best and this is the way it works. And, you know, but at first I was like, how did you know this? Where'd you get this information? I didn't share this, but yeah, I was very relieved. I mean, it was a huge relief not to have the nightmare. Um, And I write about the nightmare in my book, which has a maze on it. And the maze um, represents partially, well, it represented, and I didn't realize it until I started writing the book and I started Coming up with the idea for the book cover, that the maze was actually the maze and the nightmare, and then it turned into the maze, which was the path away from fear to love for me. So
1: Now do you feel that that is, was the core of your pain? Because I know, like you had mentioned, that your accomplishments you know has come have come as a result of the pain which is an incredible place to be able to realize that and understand it, which is what you're talking about. However, can you maybe share a little more about that time when you were feeling hopeless, maybe before you came to this realization and what you were doing to cope or were you not coping at all?
2: Well, I I was in college and that's when I started to, you know, the pain that I was in physically. Um, I, I don't think it's coincidental. I think some how my subconscious took me down the path to head into social work and psychology and counseling. And I ended up working actually for a while with child protective services. Um, You know, I, I, I think, I don't think that was a coincidence that that's the direction I took. Um, So in, in college was when I think I had, through the, through the courses I was taking, through the path I chose, that was how I was dealing with the pain, that I was going to help others um, through difficulties. And I, and I was very conscious about not um, working directly with people with sexual child abuse histories uh, until I had dealt with that myself. Until I felt healthy. yes. Even when I worked for CPS, Child Protective Services, I uh, told my supervisor, there were cases that I would say that's just that hits too close to home, Mm." pass it on to someone else. But I was still working on myself. And as I was able to do that work, then I was able to work with those clients. And I think I did a really great job for them because I had uh, an understanding, but I wasn't overlapping what happened to me with what was happening to them.
1: Are you still working in that capacity?
2: No, now I'm working um, with, I'm, I'm doing motivational speaking and I work with Best and on other techniques, Psyche, with individuals.
1: Now, you've had a lot of accomplishments, obviously. You're, you've got degrees, you've, you've come a long way. Looking back, you probably... Um, should pat yourself on the back, right? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Maybe, you've yeah. Pushed a lot as a result of, as I mentioned earlier. You know, you went through a lot, and you had to deal with that, and you had to grasp it and have an understanding of it, but. There are some people who don't want to get better who their their victimhood almost becomes a comfort zone to them and so they they stay there and I know this is one of the things that you talk about in your book so can you give us an some maybe more than one example of that and uh you know how people can get into that rut and then how they can get out
2: How they how they get into the victimhood Yes Yeah, I kind of, I call it the victimhood. That's kind of how I see it. They kind of put on this cape and it reminds me of the Grim Reaper with this big hood and it's heavy and it's dark and they're just kind of dragging that around with them um, as a result of whatever their story is or whatever they had allowed themselves to become a victim to. Uh, And I think that the reason that people get stuck often in the victimhood is because it's familiar to them. It's all that they know. It's comfortable because it's familiar and it's easier they feel than changing. And yes. then sometimes there's the drama part of it and it it's, it can be something very dramatic and they can share it with people who they get a response from and, and maybe some attention from and, and I think it can start to also get kind of addic- addictive, you know, drama can become addictive. So that becomes...
1: That's a very legitimate point. I appreciate you bringing that up. That
2: Yeah, I, I, what I found is that why people, yeah, because the idea of getting, they get addicted to the drama, to their own drama, and, and after a while, they, what I... I know will happen is after a while they wear people out and people uh, in their life will start to disappear because they're tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. Uh, how much more are you going to milk it? You know, how much more okay. are you going to get for it? Cause they're not making a change. They're just continuing to talk about their story or their, whatever it is that they became a victim to. Um, so they, they will start to lose friends and maybe even family, Uh, as a result of that, they'll get tired of it, tired of hearing it. But I, I see that there's two common denominators that I've found with someone who chooses to stay a victim or in fear. One, I think it's that they don't feel worthy, and two, that they lack a connection to their source, whatever that is, God, universe, source, whatever that is for them. And you can't really, I mean, unless you feel worthy, you can't have a connection to source. Unless you have a connection to source, you can't feel worthy. They kind of go hand in hand. So I I think that those are the two things that I've realized that they're, they're missing.
1: What's something that you just said about those who almost become comfortable in their state of being a victim and talking about it and possibly losing friends as a result? I certainly can understand that. We've all had people around us who have been drama queens, per se, and like enough, enough is, you know, already. But my question to you is, what about those people, let's say even yourself, who have experienced these kind of things, and they still talk about them to help somebody else. What is what is the difference between one and the other?
2: Well, the difference, I think, is that it's not, it doesn't take over their life. They're not... Um now being a victim to their okay, story. okay. Um, so, that so they it's, can it's, still
1: talk about their story, but they're coming from a different perspective. Is that what you're saying? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, when people ask me to come and speak, um, I try to actually not talk about what happened when I was a kid. I try to talk more about the steps I took to healing because I feel like everybody has a story, Everybody has something. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe the and it and it's all relative. So maybe somebody's the worst thing that ever happened to them was stubbing their toe. If that's the worst thing that's ever happened to them, then that's really bad for them, right? And right. the worst thing that ever happened to me was this childhood trauma. Um, but I mean, it's it's all relative. I don't think you can make comparisons. So I try to not make that the big deal about okay. what i've come to speak to you about
1: now what about dealing with those uh do you recommend that going back and dealing with those things uh like a one-on-one and when it's been a situation of abuse per se i know there are many different thoughts about
2: that you mean going back and
1: and confronting uh, like wouldn't necessarily be your fear but confronting you know those who have abused you and and do you have any thoughts on that
2: well in my case i mean i i I think it depends on the person whether or not, and I would say they need to be counseled through whether that's a good idea for them or not okay. psychologically, because okay. some people it might be okay and, and others it might just make the situation worse. I mean, it's kind of like if you do um, psychotherapy or hypnosis, um, some people can handle going under hypnosis and reliving the event. Others, if they did that, it would be, be horrible for Mm. them and and be much worse so that's a real individual uh, decision and something that they should get some support on making that choice and I tried to find the person that abused me and I couldn't find him so I did go through but I worked with a counselor Mm -hmm. to look for him and there it was his name was too common where he was living Mm. um, and I couldn't find him so I had to come to terms with that I did the best I could Okay, and I had to let it go and, and, and hope and, you know, hope that he wasn't abusing somebody else. But yes, yes. You know, you got to have sometimes, you know, you have to have that faith that, you know, I do, exactly. I do know that his parents dealt with it the best way they knew how at the time. Uh, it, it wasn't ignored. So my hope is that the family did really help him to, to take a different path and change. Going
1: back to what you said about the comfort zone again and, and the state of victimhood, you had mentioned at one point that sometimes it is easier for us to live in the fear, which is something that we understand and it's familiar, than to step out and face our fears. How does that is that the same thing as pos- uh, things that have created that that state of victimhood, or could this be fear that is something that we never experienced before? When you say face your fears, let's kind of expound on that a little bit.
2: Well, it can be both. I think. I mean, it can be related to what caused you to become a victim, um, and it could be <laughs> it could be the fears that actually created um you continuing to be a victim i mm-hmm. mean or, or or becoming that drama queen or whatever uh i don't know i think it, it kind of has a it can have a domino effect kind of you yeah, know that can, makes sense yep kind of roll into from one thing to another and it just kind of gets bigger too like a snowball um so i yeah i'm not sure how to answer that okay, exactly well,
1: i'm just kind of throwing it out as I'm, I'm trying to think of what somebody might be you know might be questioning as as you're sharing
2: uh, yeah i t- think fear grows i think okay. that their fear can grow so maybe it started with one thing and then and you can uh, allow
1: it too right I think right and then you're it, essentially saying
2: yeah and if you allow yourself to become a victim to that then i think you can add more fear more things I mean if you think it's working for you to to be in that state of fear I don't know if you've you've heard of people or knowing people who tend to always have some kind of illness or something they're sick it's like they and you know sometimes you wonder well are are they doing this because this is how they get attention and and maybe that is something that started when they were young that the only time they really felt like they got attention was if they weren't feeling well, you know, mom and dad were very busy otherwise, but mom and dad were available if they weren't feeling well. So it becomes a, it becomes kind of a habit.
1: Like you said, to gain attention,
2: needing needing some something, needing attention or something. Well, I think our biggest fear actually is our own power. And I think that we, We don't realize, as human beings, how incredibly powerful we are. Um, Dr. Emoto, who's the author of Hidden Messages in Water, uh, he said humans vibrate at 570 trillion times per second, which is incredibly powerful, and that we have phenomenal potential, but most of us don't give ourselves that kind of credit. Expound on that a little more. The idea that we have the ability to actually have the life that we want to create the things that we want in our life and that we are energetically extremely powerful. So, you know, what our thoughts are putting out the right thoughts, because what you think about, you really do bring about (laughs) those kinds of things and understanding that you really are in charge of your life. And how things go. I mean, I could have chosen to, to be a victim. I don't even know if I ever actually became a victim, not knowingly. I mean, mm. I didn't really know what was happening. But I could have chose to play out the victimhood. Um, or I could have chose to embrace my power and move forward with my life and, and use it in a more productive, powerful way. Do you think so, people are
1: capable of doing that on their own or do they need help?
2: I think that's another one that depends on the person I mean I there's not a lot of people I haven't met a lot of people who can remember if they were abused before three years old exactly what happened when they were abused and I can remember it okay so you know it's 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 the depends on the person and and um I, don't, I think we're just all from the time we come to this planet or before we even come here we're so individually unique it it just is it's kind of what what is the journey that you're supposed to be taking i mean why did i remember exactly what happened to me pretty much pretty pretty clearly remembered mm. what happened to me and where somebody else buried it
0: Good but point. i do
2: yeah, I do remember, though, when I realized I held the power to change my life and to have the things I wanted and to create the world and life that I wanted to have. And I remember it so clear because when I first realized it, I, I was, like, thrilled. I was elated. I thought, oh, this answers every issue I've ever had because I have the power to change it. This is wonderful, and I was so excited. And then I, after a few minutes, I kind of freaked out because I thought, <laughs> oh, oh crap. That means I can't blame anyone for anything. (laughs) I can't be a victim and I'm accountable. I can't blame my husband. I can't blame my kids. I mean, and sometimes, I mean, they obviously deserve to be blamed, right? That's right. (laughs) And I thought, oh, well, that means I have to be accountable. And then I went back to the first thought that I had about the power and how good that felt. And that that meant that I could really make changes in my life using the power from within my being to make those changes. And I decided I think I'll stick with that feeling because it felt much better. And even though it's maybe hard to be 100% accountable for your own life, I I think I'd rather work on that because that means power and power equals freedom.
1: Now, when you came to this realization were you at a place in your healing process in your journey that you were basically already healed or were you, was this in the initial part? At what point was this?
2: No, well, this was years later when I felt like I was pretty well, you know, I'd, I'd done um, the best and, and lots of different best sessions and things and uh, different types of counseling with hypnosis and all of that kind of thing. And I felt pretty balanced and pretty good and th- this was later in my life where I was wanting to make some changes okay. and wanting some things to be different. I've, I've got four children and um, a husband who travels a lot. And I, I think I was just at a, I remember I was lifting weights in my basement. <laughs> and I, I had this realization that, oh, you know, if I want things to be different, I can, I can do that for myself. You know, it's really up to me.
1: It comes down to attitude. That, yeah, that, Everything seems to come down to attitude, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it's and it's, it's a belief. It's a deep belief. And um, I do think that sometimes, well, I know that often we have to change those beliefs because the beliefs that we have are from way back when, from when we were children. And it's what we grew up with and what yes. we learned. Yes. And then your beliefs control your thoughts and your thoughts control your feelings. So if you don't change the beliefs at that subconscious level, and that's where things like BEST and the Psyche, this, that those types of techniques, and there's several of them out there. Anything that's going to go deeper and get to the subconscious part of the mind is what's really going to make the changes for you.
1: Well, why don't you talk about those techniques? Because you did mention them in your book which is again entitled the journey from fear to love is shorter than you think. So share those two techniques and explain them to us.
2: Well, best is the long one, the bioenergetic synchronization technique. And it's basically, it works with the, the mind and the body and the emotional and physical and works with all of it. Um, So it's, it works to clear out any inter- interference that is is keeping you from having, you know, what you want in your life or from being able to move forward down the path you want to take. And it's really simple. It's non-invasive. It's very gentle. Um, there's practitioners all over the world that, that do it. And it's... Uh, I, 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 it's, it's a technique I highly recommend that you know somebody go and check out what best actually is and how it works. It's hands-on healing, and it was created by a chiropractor who realized that some of the stuff he was doing as a chiropractor, um, that the changes he was making, they weren't holding. So he started looking further and realizing that you've got to go deeper you can't just work with the physical body you've got to work with the whole body but it it clears out that interference that keeps you from so you'll have physical and emotional changes so somebody might come in with a (laughs) with their neck their head kind of stuck to their shoulder if you've ever seen someone they I had a kid I worked on who was a teenager and his head was cocked to the side and stuck. I'm like, what's going on with you? He's like, I don't know. I just woke up this way. Uh, I said, Oh, okay. So what happened before you went to bed last night? And he had to think for a minute and he said, well, I had a fight with my girlfriend (laughs) and it was the left side of his neck, which left and right left side of the body is female, right side is male. And, um, and I did a best session with him, and as we were going through, his whole neck straightened out, and he had full range of motion before he left. So, I mean, he had a physical, it showed up physically uh-huh. for him, but it was there was an emotional cause underneath that. Yeah, he was kind of blown away. <laughs> he he talked about it for a long time.
1: <laughs> now let's talk about your book. And that well, you shared a little bit about it, but share some more about it. And also, who should read it? Who it would appeal to? You know that kind of thing.
2: Well, I wrote it. Um, I di- I didn't. I I just wrote it, and then I then I went ahead and published it. I hadn't actually planned on publishing it, but I was encouraged to. Um, and I, I wrote it more to give i talk about the abuse briefly it's mostly in the introduction of the book and and the book itself though the body of the book is the steps that i took to heal and it's for somebody who's ready to do that somebody who's sick and tired of being sick and tired and ready to make some changes and to work toward healing it's, I'm pretty blunt. Um, okay. I try to use some humor to lighten it up. It's entertaining. It's it's an easy read. It's kind of like having a cup of coffee with me and having a conversation through the book with me. And I just walk people through. Yeah, I, I give tools and steps, uh, okay. techniques, different techniques you can use to heal. And I try to... Um, give some ideas of, you know, what what I used that worked for me. So I've got several different things in there.
1: Anything in particular that comes to mind that you might want to share?
2: Well, um, one of the things I, it sounds kind of, it might sound a little bit silly, but um, one of the things I've used throughout for a long time is that sometimes you just don't have anyone that you can talk to or you don't want to talk to mm-hmm. someone because you don't want to, you know, continue that victim Okay. state. So I use, uh, what I call a mirror technique, which I think has been described by other people. I didn't know it until I wrote about it, but I would would go into my, uh, bathroom and, you know, close the door. My kids would know if I was in there, they better leave me alone. Cause if I was just having one of those days where things were not going the way I wanted him to, or I was feeling like I was spiraling down, I would go into the bathroom where I could see myself in the mirror and I'd shut the doors because I could see myself and I could hear myself. It was louder in there, echoes more. And I would just let myself go ahead, beat myself up, do whatever I needed to do. But I was doing it in the mirror where I saw myself. Uh Uh So when you see yourself in the mirror and you see your face and the faces you're making and what you look like and it's often pretty ugly and then you hear yourself, that's when I would start to turn it around and start to talk myself back up, start to tell myself what I liked about myself, what was going right in my life, how I felt good about different things. And I think it's, it's pretty um, dramatic because you can't, get it's right there. You can't get away from it. So seeing <laughs> how ridiculous you look when you yeah, so, in the mirror exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you're seeing and hearing and and then you start to realize this is really silly. Why am I so upset about something that's so minor it ends up often being something pretty minor. And then the other thing is to pay attention to your feelings. Like I said your beliefs are underneath the thoughts and the feelings, but um, a lot of people say change your thoughts. You can't really think about every thought you've had in a day. There's too many of them. Mm-hmm. But you can stop, and you can, th- you know, if you're kind of having a bummer day or one of those days, you can stop and say, well, what have I been? What have I been feeling? What am I feeling? And so if I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling upset or whatever, you can start to step back and say, well, what have I been thinking about? Up to this point, that's brought me to where I am. And then you can kind of try to start changing those thoughts. One of the, one of those techniques that I came up with, you know, on my own, that it worked. To a lot of people, say, well, think about what you're thinking about and change those thoughts. Well, I can't. I don't know what I've been thinking all day. The thoughts come really quickly, but you can kind of get the overall feeling mm-hmm. of what have I been? And then you can kind of go back and say, Well, yeah, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about that, and I and was then
1: deal with it.
2: Yeah, start changing okay. those thoughts. Like turn them around.
1: What do you have available, or do you have your services available online? Or uh, tell us about that if you if and what you can offer.
2: Well, right now I've got um I do my books are on online. They're all available um, on Amazon, and then uh, I've, I've got an ebook that's available on my website, and that I've been giving away for free. So it's it's a uh, Ten ten ways to eliminate drama from your life, um, and then the other book, the Journey from Fear to Love, is on Amazon. And also, you can go to my website and find that. And I've, I'm available for motivational speaking, and workshops, and and that kind of thing. So that eight week program that I have online okay. is basically that's it's stepping people through the book. So okay. it's 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 going through the book and using. The things that I use throughout the book to, to help so them. So do you buy the book and then, and
1: then go through the program online with you? Is that, is that what they you can say, if, is
2: they, can if they, want okay, they, okay. they can if they want to. They um, uh, can if they want to. And it would probably be helpful. But that's pretty much how I've based the program is to walk them through. Those steps.
1: Who would this appeal to specifically, or is it basically everyone in general that needs to deal with these kind of issues? Like,
2: well, I think I think anyone who feels like they're stuck. Okay. Like why am okay. I not moving forward? What am I? Why am I not feeling happy in my life? What am I? You know, they feel maybe kind of controlled by something else, someone else. Whatever. It's it's for someone who's ready to take their power back. And there's a lot of people I I know that you get stuck in some people get stuck there for a long time, some people are just there at certain times in their life. Um so it's yeah, I think everybody knows what that feels like, to feel like I don't Somehow I gave my power away.
1: And do you think that sometimes when we have accomplished that in our lives, it can come back again, like in another way? And is it easy then, more easy to recognize?
2: I think once uh, once you learn um, the techniques and the different steps that you can take, yeah, I think that you become empowered to where it's less likely it's going to happen over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, you're definitely more awake and aware and paying attention and but yeah, there's certainly things in life that you can sneak up on you, and you didn't expect for that to drag you backwards. So, uh, but I think once you have the information, it's not like you can't refer back to that and, and use the things that you've learned. Um, again, working on the subconscious stuff and finding something that works that way for you is uh, really helpful.
1: Well, you certainly gave us a lot to think about. There is a lot of, in other words, there's a lot of things we can do if we choose to uh, take the time and to put in the effort. And... We certainly, I mean, you're, between your book and your online help and even listening to this podcast, I'm sure has probably raised questions and you have these answers that are available and you've really packed it in here. There's lots of, of things that I'm, I'm sure that other people are thinking. Is there anything in particular you'd like to say in summary to kind of encompass everything that you touched on?
2: Well, I think... A lot of time people are, I, I get asked what's what do you think the most important thing is that someone can do to start changing their life now in a positive way mm. and see results quickly and I think the answer is that you have to learn to love yourself first that's it's the most important thing that you need to learn how to do and it's it's not as hard as it sounds. Um, but I love Maya Angelou's quote, which is, I do not trust people who don't love themselves and yet tell me I love you. There's an African saying, which is be careful when a naked person offers you a shirt. And that kind of sums it up. I mean, it's, if you don't love yourself first, you can't love anybody else. And I, I have my own quote that I kind of came up with that kind of follows that love is the foundation that you build the life you want on. If you don't love yourself first, everything you try to build in your life will eventually c- crumble. So, learn how to really love yourself first. I mean, and, and try to have a really good understanding of what that means. And you can start with simple things, just treating yourself better. You know, allowing yourself to take a break here and there. Um, something as simple as you know, a long, busy day at work, come home and instead of cooking dinner maybe order chinese food from your favorite restaurant that's a little bit of loving yourself first treating Allowing, yourself too right yeah yeah take a long hot bath don't justify to anyone what you're doing don't i mean that's a lot of what people will do is justify it and that's not loving yourself first if you're loving your i used to with raising my children the way i did it was that i exercised and so I would drop them off at daycare or their preschool, and I'd drop them off in my workout clothes. And I got some dirty looks because the other moms were all complaining and talking about their busy day and what they had to do. <laughs> and I, they'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to go work out. Ugh, well, I have this and this and this. I mean, they had these long <laughs> lists. Well, I was loving myself first, and I would go and do my workout and be re-energized and refocused and present, present and focused for my children, come back, pick them up, and they had my complete attention because I had done something for me first that was really important to taking care of myself.
1: That in itself, what you just said, is remarkable. And if that's what we walk away with, that's going to be huge because you are speaking to many people who don't know how to just so simply love themselves... And right. even even looking in the mirror, like going back to what you said earlier, but even looking in the mirror and taking a good look at yourself and telling yourself that you're beautiful right. or, um, you know, I'm sure that this goes right along with the scenario when you when you compliment someone and they, and they don't want to accept that compliment. Would that fall in the same category? Like I don't yeah, think yeah. well enough of myself to even receive that compliment. Yeah, if
2: you receive the compliment, you're loving yourself.
1: Yes, yes
2: unconditionally exactly. you know and you're allowed by allowing others to love you <laughs> you're that's loving very, yourself yeah, that's right very right. well put yeah and
1: I think this is good pre-marital counseling yeah you know would be to learn how to love yourself so that you can love your spouse or well, your my Angelo well Maya
2: Angelou has another quote that I like about love that I think kind of can wrap this all up pretty well and why it's so important um and loving yourself first. She says, love builds up the broken wall and straightens the crooked path. Love keeps the stars in the firmament and imposes rhythm on the ocean tides. Each of us is created of it. And I suspect each of us was created for it.
1: Hmm. That's beautiful.
2: It's kind of how I feel about it. You got to take care of you and people often will see that as, you know, that you're being, um, self-centered you're not being self-centered you're being selfish and it's okay to be selfish you're not being self-centered you're taking care of yourself and that's that's okay
1: (laughs) no that that's a wonderful way to sum this up i'm glad that you brought that up and i really really appreciate that as i mentioned you had you've shared a lot there are many different uh different directions that we could go just from one of the things that you shared today so I appreciate the scope of everything that you did share well there's so many hurting people obviously you have a you have a heart for those who are hurting and you want to help them and but I love what you said at the end there love yourself first help yourself first and that's when you become beneficial for others
2: yeah, everybody Everybody wins that way. Excellent. It was fun. I enjoyed talking to you. Good. I did
1: too. <laughs> Thank you again, Susan. I really appreciate you joining us today, and goodbye.
2: Thank you
0: for listening to Never, Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one, so please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of 5 stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.